0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning Trinity Community Church, are you happy to be here today? Amen. That's pretty weak, let's try that one more time. Good morning Trinity Community Church, are you happy to be here today? All right, welcome to you in the house and you that are online, it's good to have everybody with us today. I am excited. Anytime we do new things, uh, I'm excited. I had the privilege of hanging out with Pastor Joseph last week. We talked a little bit about what they're doing uh, in the Congo and then what we're planning on doing here at Trinity. And He was a fountain of resource for us. I love how God brings people together at different times and how we we help each other. We get synergy from each other. It's a big deal. Um, It's hard for us sometimes to remember, even though you and I are independent, we are also interdependent. Don't try to be an island unto yourself. Lock arms with your brothers and your sisters. We're better together than we are apart. Amen? We are. So we get to start this brand new series called I Am. I love um, digging into the person of who Jesus is. I had a youth pastor when I got saved. uh, He anchored my faith to this. He says, TJ, man, get anchored to who Jesus is. Anytime you feel like you've lost your way, you start reading the Gospels. Get into the heart of Christ again, and that will always bring you back. How many of you every once in a while you lose your way? God brings us back in. I remember a few years ago, we, uh, our church in Denver, Mosaic Church, we, uh, we did a lot of, of, of body ministry, a lot of ministry to, to the less fortunate, the poor. We had a food bank there. I think our last year that we had our food bank, we fed 60,000 people that year, 60,000. We had a big, robust homeless ministry and stuff, and I remember uh, we had just finished doing a uh, uh, We weren't allowed to have homeless spend the night because of city ordinances, but we could be a day shelter. We could do meals. so We did a big meal. We probably had about, a, about 100 or 150 homeless men and women and children that had just eaten, and, and I was there, and all of our volunteers left, and I was tired. Have you ever hosted a party and you're tired? At some point, you move from, man, this is a great party, to please go home. <laughs> so I was in the please go home department. So I'm doing my stuff in the church, getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden I hear this banging on our glass doors in the front of the church. Now, we get got this little church, not a very big church at all, and banging and hollering, and it sounds like they're going to bust these doors down. Now, again, we were not a very well-to-do church, so I'm thinking, man, these doors are a lot of money. I don't know what's going on. So I go to the front, and there's a guy kicking on the doors, doing stuff like that. So I go down there. I fling the doors open with all of the Jesus I can muster, and I said, what is your problem? He I was trying to get somebody's attention. I said, behold, you've won. I'm here. What do you want? Because I just had it. Have you ever just had it? You know, Jesus is in here somewhere. Where is at right now? I don't know, but he's in here somewhere. He goes, well, I'm hungry. I said, well, we just had a meal. He goes, yeah, I'm late. I missed it. No, duh. That's why we're talking right now. He said, well, can I get something to eat? I said, yes. Just stop kicking the door. So I invited him in. He sat down and went and got him some food. And I handed him a bag of food. And have you ever given somebody something and their their response to you was being ungrateful? Have you ever done something for your children? And they didn't say thank you? And you just want to take that thing and just throw it into the weeds? You ever done that? So the guy goes, Thank you for nothing. He says something like that. And I said, wait a second. I said, Man, I said, I said, this is for you. We want to make sure you're okay. He goes, You don't care about me. Nobody cares about me. He says, This church, this church stinks. This church doesn't care about me. You don't care about homeless people. This is just for you. And he's going on and on how's the church we stink. And then he says, and let me tell you about your pastor. He's the biggest hypocrite on the planet. He doesn't care about people. He's sitting in a lofty house somewhere doing his own thing. Your pastor's a jerk. I've heard it from other people, and nobody likes this place. Nobody likes your pastor. And he goes on and on and on to me. And then he he goes, You're the he goes, by the way, he goes, you're the maintenance guy, aren't you? And I go, yes. I'm the maintenance guy. It was good. It was you stinking. He slammed the door. I went in there and I thought to myself, I wonder how much the maintenance guy makes. (laughs) Perhaps this is a career opportunity to shift. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what pastors fantasize about when it comes to employment? Working at the Home Depot. We do. What's it like to have a job when you just get done? You hang up your apron and you're like, I'll see the screws tomorrow. Bye. (laughs) I'll see the nails tomorrow, right? Have you ever had somebody. Not understand who you were? Have you ever had somebody misinterpret your heart or just not know you? I mean, they know you, but they really don't know you. How many people in your life know you, but they really don't know you? They know a version of you. All of us have people in our life that know you how you used to be, right? How many of you have the Facebook and you see all the people that you graduated high school with? Have you ever noticed that that number is getting bigger and bigger? And bigger. Every time you look at Facebook, you know, that's when you look at the people, you look and you go, oh boy, they aged well. Oh, they didn't age well at all. Just remember this the next time you do that, that's what people are saying about you. Right? And there's a distance, and some people know you as that person. Some people know you as the work version of who you are. Some people know you as the church version of who you are. And some people. Know you. And then there's all kinds of people that have had one encounter with you. Maybe it was at the DMV, maybe it was at the line at the Chick fil A, maybe it was at the Home Depot. And because of that one encounter, they made a decision of who you are, and it's not necessarily true. Does anything drive you more bananas than to have somebody not really know you? They think they know you, but they don't really know you. Is it just me? That happens to all of us, doesn't it? Do you know that we do the same thing with Jesus? I mean, let's just be real. Everybody knows who Jesus is, right? Everybody has an opinion about Jesus, don't they? Some people think he was a great philosopher. Some people think he was a good teacher. Some people think he was mythical, he didn't even exist. Some people think he was nuts. Some people think he was the Son of God. So, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? With all these different interpretations and angles, who is Jesus to us? Who is Jesus to you? Well, to me, the only way to figure out and to find out who Jesus is is to go to the source. Go to the Word. Go to who Jesus is in his own words. So this summer, our series is called I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And through the summer, we're going to discover who Jesus is by what the Word says about him, not by how you feel about him. God is who he says he is, not who you says he is. Was that even correct? Did I say that right? Grammar please. right? God is what the word says about him, not how we feel about him. How many of you know that your your feelings and your emotions can deceive you? They can be tricky. So we anchor to the truth, the truth of who God is. So today we begin our, our series with one of Christ's most definitive statements about himself. It was shocking, it was amazing, and we find it in John 14. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Again, if you have our app, if you hit the button on our app, you get all of my notes. If you're on the U version of the Bible, if you click live event, you'll see Trinity Community Church, you get all my notes. If you're on Facebook, check in. If you're on Instagram, take a good picture. You've heard this verse before, but sometimes we, we kind of pull it out of context. We don't understand what Jesus was talking about to get to where we're going. This is John 14, verses 1. Jesus is preparing the disciples for life without him. He's preparing the disciples to hand over the church to him. He'd say things to these, this ragtag group of guys, greater things than what you've seen me do will you do. <clears throat> How do you get your head around that? And while when God was starting to do this handoff with the disciples, he was handing this thing off not just to the disciples of that day, but to you and, and, and to me. The thing continues to march on. And he says this, John 14, do Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, When everything is ready, I'll come and I'll get you, so you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. And the, Thomas in verse 5, No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Isn't that great? You spend all this time with these guys. You prepare them for these great moments, and they're still like, what? How many of you love explaining yourself over and over and over and over? We have this thing in the Harris House. It's called Take Out the Trash Sunday Night because the trash comes in the morning. And every Sunday night I say the same thing. We have to take the trash out because the trash guys come in early Monday morning. And my kid, they look at me, they're like, what? Just like I gave them, I just gave them like a, a, a thing on, on, on algebra. It's just a trash. It goes out at the same time. I think Jesus had one of these moments. So Thomas is like, What are you talking about? Where are you going? We how can we know where you're going? We don't even know what you're talking about. And Jesus says this in verse 6 Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus lays this thing right out for the disciples and for us today. So what was Jesus trying to convey about himself when he he made this incredible declaration? Well, he makes this declaration and he, he really lands on three things. The way, the truth, and the life. And every one of those three things is vitally important for us if we want to understand who Jesus really was. So let's just break this down today. Today we're going to go a little deeper. Is that okay? Can we go deep today? I promise I'll still be funny, but we're going to go a little deep. Okay? First, he talked about being the way. What does it mean to be the way? Well, again, I have people ask me this all the time. Pastor TJ, what's the best version of the Bible to get? The best version of the Bible to get is the one that you understand. If you understand the 30 pound coffee table Bible, you know, the big one, the white one that takes two hands to open up. If, if you understand that version, then you read that sucker. It's hard to bring that with you to lunch, but if you want to bring that, that's fine. If you understand the NIV, grab it. The NLT, grab it. Gra- find something you understand. To give you a window into how I prepare I usually prepare from the Greek and the Hebrew. That means I'll read the original languages, and then I'll find the different versions that fit those languages the best. That's always the best way to do it. I have people, don't you have the standard? So on Sunday mornings, I'll pull from about 10 different translations to find out what conveys this the best. So when you look at this word in the Greek, way, what does it mean? Well, the Greek word for way is called hodos, and it means this. A way, a path, or specifically the road out. So what was Jesus conveying to the disciples? I am the way. I'm the way, the path. I am the road out. Out of what? Out of this world into the next world. That was what he was conveying to the Jews of the day. Now why did Jesus frame our spiritual journey that way? Well, again, he's trying to, uh, to, to give us as much detail as possible because how many of you know that um, Even though we call what we do faith, we want to know as many details as possible, right, when it comes to our faith and our journey. Wouldn't you love it if Jesus would just lay down right in front of you everything that you needed to know in one place and just like, and he's like, go get it. Why do you think he doesn't do that with us? Do you know what, if he laid all that stuff out to you about what you would become and the journey to get there, you know what it would do to most of us? You would freak out. Because you see this ominous thing, why well, I, I can't get up there. Are you crazy? So what does God do? In his mercy, he gives us bite-sized pieces, uh, pieces to bring us along as we become. We're human beings, not human doings. We become. It's not just about all the stuff you do. It's who you are becoming. And God, in his infinite wisdom, uses the good, the bad, and the ugly to help you to become the person that he created you to be. That's what the creator does. He does. But we want all the details, right? We're like Thomas. Look at the verse again. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. Jesus makes the statement, and you know the way where I'm going. And what does Thomas say? No, we don't. No, no, you think we know the way, but no, no, we don't. How many of you have had those conversations with God? God's like, I got this. This is your purpose. This is your plan. You know how to do it. And we go, no, I don't. I know you think I know that I know, but I don't know that I know that you don't know that I know. We do this all the time. Why? Because we want details all the time. We want step-by-step instructions, right? We want to have a spiritual GPS. How many of you, if your GPS told you to drive into a pond, you drive into a pond? Right? I don't know how to get from here to there. None of us do. All of us have GPSs on our phones or whatever it is, right? And if you have a GPS, it does one or two things for you. It's either three things, actually. It's either the time to beat, right? Right? They said, you know, if I, and I, I call my, my GPS Lola. If Lola says, it'll take you 22 minutes to get there, pfft, bet not. 20 minutes or less, right? How many of you guys are like that? Some of you view it as gospel truth, man. If it says go left, I go left. If it says go right, I go right. Some of you just be in a circle the whole time if the GPS got stuck or if Lola was mad at you. Go left, go left, go, wait a second. Or some of you listen to your GPS and instead of it telling you where to go, it's really the voice of suggestions, and you still go your own way. For example, um, you know, one of our guys, uh, and you, you can go to the next slide. You all know, you all know John Simmons, right? Yeah. Now, John has, has been going to camps. How many years have you been going to camp, John? 17 years. 17 years. Holy cow. So John has moved from camper to counselor extraordinaire to van driver. And every year, and by the way, I've cleared this with John before you start thinking, Okay. Every year when they go to camp, John's usually driving a van, and usually John's van is about 10 to 15 minutes behind all the other vans, even though they leave at the same time, because John um, uses um, the spirit to guide him to where he needs to go in the van. (laughs) So as they were leaving, and you can tell it's true, as they were leaving and they're getting ready to go, I said, John, I said, this year when you go to camp, use your GPS, not the force. May the force be with you. I think I'm just going to go left. Don't do that because kids are trying to get to camp, right? Some of us do that with our faith. Again, beloved, understand this. Very rarely in your faith will God give you step here, step here, step here, step here. Sometimes he will. God is more than a compass sometimes than just a GPS. For him, it's not just about the perfect step for each destination. It's about the companionship along the journey. Know him. His heart is that you know him. And as you get close to him, you're not going to miss it. You stay close to him. You stay connected to him. And God will unfold all these things that he wants you to do and all these things that he wants you to be. So God starts here. And instead of it just being this big destination, he says, it's not the destination. The perception is understanding what I want with you, what it means for me to be the way. And he lays this down. He said, guys, the, the thing is for you, you know, we want the step-by-step instructions because we want to have the checklist, because we want to have every, we want to be able, we want every rule. If I could just do this, 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 and this, I'm good, right? How many of you know your faith is not just built on this, 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 and this? It's not. It's built on a person not solving every problem. Does that make sense? So he lays that out when he talks about being the way. Our faith is more than a path. It's found in a person. The person is Christ. It's not about making just all the right turns. It's not about making even all the right decisions. It's about choosing to follow the right person. That's why verses like, you know, um, God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's why God can use those things to get you back on your path even when you step off your GPS track. Now, in order to follow the person of Christ, you can't do that Without engaging the T word, trust. So Jesus declares this. He says, I am the way. Which for that day was absolutely amazing. For somebody to declare with authority that they were the path, because I don't know if you know this or not. In Jesus' day, they had confusion about what heaven was like. Even you know, within the Jews, if even anybody could go you know, there at all. In fact, when you looked at the Jews, there were two primary religious sects that made up the Sanhedrin that led their nation religiously. And tell me if some of this sounds familiar. Now, both groups honored Moses and the law, but other than that, the groups differed greatly. They were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So when you looked at the Sadducees, they were the more conservative group. They believed the Scriptures happened literally. When you looked at the Pharisees, they said oral tradition was right there with Scripture, which means this, they would add to things constantly, constantly. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection or even an afterlife. Can you imagine having a religious sect leading you that did not believe in the afterlife? They believed when you died, you died. It was done. It was over. Now, the Pharisees believed a little different. They believed in both. Now, how you got there, though, for the Pharisees was dependent on how well you kept the law. So, even the Jews couldn't make up their mind how to get to God. So, along comes Jesus, and he says, This, there's an afterlife. He says, This, there's a resurrection. He says, This, there's a God that loves you. He says, This, there's a path to Him. That path is a person. It's not about all these different ways to try to get to God. It's about the one way, Christ. When he said, I am the way, it sent shockwaves to the religious community. It did. What do you do with that? Because back in those days, there were lots of different paths. Now, I know that today is totally different. I know now we don't struggle with the paths to God, right? I know now we're just, we're all, even within the church, we're all in one, you know, we're, we're in sync like the band, Right? That was good. Like the band, you know, you know know it, right? Do you know when you look at all the religions of the world today, almost all of them include Christ as being a good teacher, a prophet, somebody to listen to, somebody to affirm. But only Jesus set himself apart from all these other things. Only Jesus brought clarity. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way to the Father. This makes us different, beloved. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't love people. It doesn't mean that we can't, you know, stand and help people. But what it does mean is this. We believe as believers that Jesus is who he says he is. And our faith is built on the things that he declares. And one of the things that he declares is that he is the way. From Jesus' lips. Jesus is not a choice. he's the choice. He's not an option. He is the option. He is. Acts 4.12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus isn't part of this conglomeration of things. He's trustworthy, and if you follow him, he'll lead you to the Father. He is the way out. Is your life oriented around the way? Do you believe that Jesus is the way? Do you believe that everything you need in life flows through Jesus and he is the way? Think about that. Think about your life and how it's oriented right now. Do you really believe that? Is he an option? Have you mixed things with your faith that don't belong there? He said he's the way. And then he moves to the next part. He said he's the truth. Now, this is interesting. The Greek word for truth is aletheia, which means this, unconcealed reality, Unconcealed reality. Truth is not your reality. You ever heard the phrase, perception is truth? We see little bits of it. Truth is not just, you know, your reality is not just truth. What you perceive is, is, truth is deeper than that. Truth, again, is the reality of where we live. For example, I was in the food store yesterday, and I was looking for things to cook for our 4th of July celebration. And I was just looking for hamburgers. So I go to the Acme and I discovered something. There's an entire case of food, vegetables, pretending to be meat. (laughs) Have you seen this? When did this happen? Now, I'm all for meatless options, but there was a whole case. And I grabbed a box of Bubba Burgers. Bubba? What about Bubba says plant? And I put it in the thing, and I went, oh, wait a second. I looked down closer, and it was meatless bubble Burgers. I threw that back in the case. <laughs> Get that thing away from me. Let's, let it taint me. You know what I mean? Now, I understand I've had people tell me, <clears throat> Anne-Marie, I've had people tell me <laughs> that plants taste just like meat. To the untrained palate, perhaps this is your reality. But to those of us that have enjoyed meat for a long time, savored meat, enjoyed it for decades, I declare your truth to be false. False. Veggies pretending to be meat are false. If you want vegetables to be meat, I got a solution for you. Feed your carrots to cows. Get the meat from the cow. It's kind of the same thing. Right? Thank you. Can I get a witness? I'm glad I got that off my chest. I almost brought that home. What would I have done? Trish, what would I have done? Take that thing back, right? Here's the truth. Even though this thing might be your reality, it may not be the reality. Even though something may be your perception of truth, that doesn't mean that it's the truth. Aletheia, what does that mean? unrevealed. The the truth is revealed among us. Aletheia conveys more than an opinion or a position. It conveys the divine reality of what truth is. This is truth. Understand this, beloved. Jesus is not the keeper of truth. He is the embodiment of truth. It doesn't say Jesus is the way. He guards the truth and he's the life. It says Jesus is the way, the truth, unrevealed or revealed reality and the life. He is our reality. Think of it this way. You can say anything you want about something or somebody, especially if somebody else hasn't encountered it yet. But once that thing comes into your midst, once you see it and you taste it for yourself, you understand what reality is. You do. For example, a few years ago, <clears throat> a long time ago, Robin and I were in a bookstore in Brooksville, Florida. and It was a little Christian bookstore. We were looking for some stuff for the youth. And... Um, as I was checking out, we had an account there. And a lady heard our account, Brooksville Assembly, and she goes, oh. She goes, you go to Brooksville Assembly? I go, yeah. And I never tell people who I am because, you know, sometimes it changes how people interact with me. I, just, I don't lead with, hey, I'm a pastor this. And that. I just, I'd rather be TJ and let you figure out the rest. So I said, yeah. She goes, oh, you guys go there. I said, yeah, yeah, I go there. She goes, oh, man. She goes, that is a cool church. She goes, they got an amazing youth pastor. That was me. I go, really? I said, tell me more. <laughs> True story. She goes, oh, it's great. They got to sing and blah, 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 blah. And she's talking about how great the youth program is and blah 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 blah. And she's like, oh, we get together that he's a good dude, and I'm gonna have him do this. Cause we talk all the time. And I go, Really? You talk all the time with the youth pastor? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your name? Oh, Diane, nice to meet you, Diane. Oh, yeah, well, what's your name? TJ. What are you? I'm the youth pastor. I had a guy in Wisconsin, I was working out at the Y, and uh, the guy who heard me talking about the church we were at and stuff like that, he goes, oh, you go to that Thrive Church? I go, yeah. He goes, that's my church too. I said, that's great. I said, how long have you been going to Thrive? Oh, I've been going there five or six years. That's fantastic. He says, have you met the new pastor? Yeah. I meet him every day. Look at him in the mirror, and I go, look at you, good-looking guy. He goes, yeah, he's a nice kid, blah, blah, blah. You, You know him pretty well? yeah, I do know him pretty well. Yeah, what's his name? TJ. Hey, that's your name. It is. It's the weirdest thing. It is. One of the guys looked at the, the older guy. He goes, he, goes, he goes, you don't know the pastor. The pastor's right here. You don't ever go to church. He goes, well, it's been a while. When's the last day you've been to church? About, about uh, two years. If you have been to church in two years, I'm not your pastor. Right? Here's the point. In his reality, that's his church. I'm his pastor, even though he doesn't know who I am. What is your reality of your relationship with God? He said, I'm the way. I am the truth. Again, what is the truth? That's God pulling the cover back so you can see the reality of who he is. Right? That's a big deal. Truth is a big deal for us as believers. Truth is not just a position. It's a person. This is what Psalm 34, 8 says about truth and understanding and tasting who he is. It's a taste of of his goodness. See how wonderful the eternal truly is. Anyone who puts trust in him will be blessed and comforted. Or John 8.32 says this, For if you embrace the truth, the same word, it will release true freedom into your lives. Some of you struggle with freedom because you have not fully embraced the truth yet. The understanding, the reality of who Jesus wants to be in your life. He's the way, the way out, the truth, reality. And then he moves to the last thing. He says he's the life. What is life? Have you ever thought about life? What is it? How many of you know somebody that's living, but they don't really experience life? They just go from paycheck to paycheck. They suck air, and someday they'll just die. What is life? It's a crazy, crazy thing to think about. Um, In 1996, and I remember this, the world was shocked by an announcement made by NASA. It was such a big deal, even President Clinton at the time made this announcement, this special announcement, that they had discovered life on Mars. How many of you remember this? Allen Hills 84001 is a fragment of a Martian meteorite that was found in Antarctica on December 27, 1984, by an American meteorite hunting team. How many of you like to be on that thing? What do you do? We hunt meteorites. The patches got—they they, got to have sweet gear, right? That's just what they do. So they found this meteorite. They cut this thing open, and they found microscopic fossil evidence in this Martian meteorite, suggesting that there are organisms that originated on Mars, that point to at some point there was life on Mars. Now, I remember seeing the headlines. There's life on Mars. Now this is a picture of the meteorite that was cut in half. And from this picture, they determined that Mars could have had life. How many of you remember back in the day when they would do sonograms 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they'd have to have somebody explain to you the picture that they just took? It's not like now. You see babies now, the sonograms, you can see the face. Sometimes they're high-fiving you. Do you know, Have you seen the pictures now? But back in the day, somebody had to explain it to us, and I remember going in with Tyler 20-some years ago, and they showed us the picture, and they would circle things. This is the nose. And I'm like, are you sure that's a nose? If you look here, this is the left big toe. And I'm like, what do you mean the left big toe? That looks like a blob of nothing. How many of you you remember those things? So from this, they determined that there was life on Mars. And I got to tell you this, when I saw this, I was a little bit disappointed. Because when I thought they found life on Mars, I pictured this. Or, or maybe even like this. How many remember this? My favorite Martian? Or for you more recent people, hey, I'll even take like this, right? The Martian with Matt Damien, but, but I didn't think life really meant, meant, meant this, right? So what is life? What is, more importantly, the life that Jesus promised? Well, to understand what life is, you have to look at the Greek word here used for life. Now, when it comes to the Greek language, there's three primary words for life, three different words that you'll see in scripture that define life for us. Again, the Greek is built different than, than, than the English language. The, in English, we have words and we use adjectives to kind of tell you what the word means. We just have single words. In Greek and other languages, they are a little more robust. They actually have distinct words that mean certain things. For example, like, you know, in English, we say stuff like, I love pizza. But how many of you also love your, your spouse? How many of you know that that's a different type of love? it could be. What's on the pizza, right? <laughs> so the three words for, for, for love in the Greek, or for life, the first one that you see is, is called bios. Now, bios means physical life, your living life, your sucking air life, the things that you do day to day. Refers to your physical body. This is where we get the English word, you know, biology from. This is a sign of something that is more tangible in our realm. This is the Greek word, for life here. It's used here in First Timothy uh, 2, 1 and 2. It says, most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Uh, Pray for all men in all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with intense passion. Look at verse 2. And pray for every political leader. Did you hear that, by the way? Did you hear that? I pray for our presidents all the time, everyone. You need to. They need help. All of them do. Um, and, and representative, so that they'll be able to live a tranquil, undisturbed lives. That word lives is bio, as you worship an awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. Now, that word bio is not the word used in John 14, 6. Then there's another Greek word called sukkah, which actually means the soul, your mind, your emotions. This is that thing that makes you you. This is where we get the English word psychology from. This is your, your, uh, uh, your personality, your bents. How many of you have somebody, they have a personality that drives you bananas? Their sukkah is just different than yours. Get away from me, right? This talks about these things, these intangible things that make you you. This is what is used in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, talking about the soul. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That word soul there is life, sukkah. Your mind, your soul. This is not the word used in John 14:6. So, what is the word used in John 14, 6? Zoe, which actually means this: spiritual life for now and for future existence. This is the part of you that was designed to be eternal. This is the part of you that goes on after this world ends. Beloved, at some point, God will turn the chapter of your life. He'll turn that page. He'll shut the book of how your life existed here, and you'll step into another realm, eternity. This week, I, had a, I have had the privilege of, for a few years now, walking with a good friend of mine, um, Father George Lavanos. He's a uh, Greek Orthodox pastor. And... Um, on Thursday, he took his last breath here, and his first breath in heaven. And they did, you know, it's the Orthodox Church, so they have this, this beautiful, extravagant celebration of his homegoing, And it's just absolutely amazing. And, um, and we celebrate all the stuff that he accomplished here, but this is just a sliver compared to what he's going to walk into. And the, the Orthodox Church, the Greeks, you'll see this. You can tell if somebody's part of the Orthodox Church, anytime they talk about somebody that's passed on, they'll say this. If you look on Facebook, the comments will say this. May their memory be eternal. May his memory be eternal. That's their way of saying, beloved, you are meant for more than just this. Life goes on. This word, Zoe, talks about that. It talks about our spiritual life, not just for now, but for the age that is to come. Our divine reality. The scriptures are full of it, especially when it comes to speaking of Christ. John 1, 4 says this, in him was life, Zoe, And that life, Zoe, was the light of all mankind, that spiritual life. So what was Jesus getting at by saying this? He was saying if you want to experience everlasting life, eternal life, you want to step into the divine, the only way through that is through me. If you want to have true satisfaction, true purpose, if you want your spirit to be full, The only way to experience that is through the person of Christ. Let's be real. All of us have tried to to put lesser things in us when it comes to life. All of us have tried to to settle our hearts. That, That thing inside of us that tells us there's more. That thing inside of us that tells us we're created for more and we're just not satisfied. All of us have tried to put other things in there to try to satisfy those things. But let's just be real. The only way... To experience real life, true life, Zoe life. is through the person of Christ, through who Jesus is. John 10.10, 10, Jesus put it this way. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, Zoe, and have it abundantly. Now understand this, beloved. Jesus, God is concerned with your life now as much as he's concerned with your life that is to come. Now, when you weigh things out, sometimes we live our lives here like this is the only thing that we have. And beloved, nothing is further from the truth. You don't have to wait until you die to experience divine life. You don't have to wait until you die to experience purpose and to feel God's pleasure in your life. You don't have to wait until you, know, you turn that page. You can experience it now. But how much of our time here do we spend trying to find things to stick in there, to give us some little piece of pleasure that are other than Christ? We search, and we search, and we search, and then we find ourselves empty. So Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. I am the life you're looking for. Who better, who better to fill your heart's cry than the one that created you, than the one that defined you? He designed you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows exactly how you tick. That's the God that we serve. So how are you doing in the life department? How are you doing in the life department? Is Jesus it? Or is he one of other things? Are you still trying to stick things in there? So when you look at all these, you put all these things together, And we get a better understanding of who Jesus is, who he says that he is. First, he says, I am the way. What is the way? I am the path out. I am the only path to God. And then he says, I am the truth. Aletheia, I am your reality. God does not guard the truth. He embodies the truth. You can trust him. Even when you don't understand, you can trust him. And third, he says, I am the life. Your spiritual life now and your life into eternity. Stop searching for lesser things. Stop trying to find the lesser things that satisfy, because they won't. And then he caps everything else, caps all this thing off with one thing. He says, beloved, you cannot get to God unless you come through me. Later on through our series, we'll be talking about what it means for God to be the door. He says, this is the path. These things that I lay down to you, this is what your faith hinges on. So how are you doing in the life department? How is your faith? What is the condition of your faith? Are your feet planted on the road that leads to him? Or do you have a foot on different roads? How are you doing in the truth department? What is your reality? Have you mixed your truth with other things? Have you mixed your truth with your opinions? Or are you anchored to the reality of who Jesus is? Jesus is who he says he is. And then the life. Are you experiencing abundant life, true life? Or does the thought of death terrify you? If you live from Zoe, our chapter here, this is just a page that we turn. You step from this life into the world. Do me a favor, bow your heads with me. We're going to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just to speak to us. I know I hit three different dis- distinct things today, but you can handle it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about those three things. The way, the truth, and the life. And just ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit, will you show me if I am in alignment with your word, if I'm in alignment with your heart, if I know you, or if you have to shift things in me, Lord? Show me. And then listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Again, the Spirit speaks to you just like He speaks to me. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That means you can hear God. Ask Him. And listen, 40 tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.